A couple weeks ago, we began a new sermon series as we've been looking at what Scripture talks about in regard to the mind of Christ and what it means to have the mind of Christ and what it means to model the mind of Christ. And our primary Scripture that we're looking at as we look at this series is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So each week we'll be looking at it, but highlighting one or two verses from this section. So I'm going to read that for us right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you're following along in the Bibles in front of you, it'll be on page 953. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to start with verse 6. And this is what it states. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom, although it is not a wisdom of this age or the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away. And now verse 7, this is going to be our emphasis today, but it says in verse 7, but we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love Him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word, and thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to spend some time together this morning looking at it together. And Lord, as we look at this portion of your word, and as we seek to understand what it means to have the mind of Christ, we pray that you'd show us from this passage and from its companion passages what it means to know the things that you want us to know, to perceive the things that you want us to perceive, to see others, to see ourselves, to see life from your perspective. And Lord, we know that right now we can see things that at an earlier season of life we were unable to see because you've given us spiritual discernment through faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. So we pray that we would use that spiritual sight, that spiritual discernment in every context that you place us in. And we pray now that as we look at your word together, that you'd speak these truths to our hearts and that you'd help us to remember these things far beyond this moment as we just go about life in this world seeking to give you honor and glory and to focus on the things that you've called us to focus on. We love you, Lord. We thank you for the privilege that it is to be able to look at this portion of your word together today. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So a couple of weeks ago, we began this series as we're talking about what it means to have the mind of Christ. I think that this is a very practical subject for us as believers to be wrestling with because one of the greatest blessings that you and I have as followers of Jesus Christ is His wisdom and His mind. And Scripture reveals that to us because through Jesus, we have a new perspective, we have new eyes, we have a new outlook, and I think that that's key in our day-to-day -day lives. 
And there are things that we're being divinely equipped to understand that those who have no faith, the unbelieving world, cannot comprehend. But yet, divinely, in the Lord's power, He enables His followers to understand these things. Now, throughout the course of our lives, and so think about the journey that you've been on up to this point, throughout the course of our lives, we naturally begin to see things differently as we grow and as we mature. And our perspective tends to develop even as we take on new responsibilities and new tasks and new jobs. I used to think, and this will be comical to those of you that, that uh, experience leadership in, in uh, different spheres of life, including your vocation, but I used to think that leadership looked like a lot of fun. I used to think it looked like, I mean, it just seemed like a blast to me. I thought it looked like a lot of fun. And uh, now that I've been leading for a few decades, I can see that it's sometimes fun, but it's also sometimes very challenging, and sometimes it can even be very painful as a child. You know, we just had the privilege to celebrate the dedication of a child. Well, as a child, I used to question the decisions of my parents quite regularly. I made an art of it. But as a father, I can now see more clearly that, that when my parents were making certain leadership decisions, they were doing so for my benefit, even though I didn't quite recognize it in my youth. But when I had to put their shoes on and entered into a new role in life, I started to see things a lot more clearly, things I couldn't see before. Now, as we come to faith in Jesus Christ and our faith begins to mature, what we start to experience is that our spiritual eyes open. We start to see new things. And once we're granted the mind of Christ, as the scripture we just read talks about, His Spirit shows us things that we were incapable of seeing before. It's not that we just weren't noticing some of those things. It tells us that essentially we were, in, we were incapable of understanding those things at a previous state. These were things that were hidden from us because we did not possess a spiritual mind at that time that was capable of comprehending them. And so God's Word goes into detail about this new spiritual sight and this new spiritual understanding that He grants us as we come to faith in Jesus Christ. And so our primary scripture that we just read from, from 1 Corinthians 2, we're going to revisit verse 7 in just a moment. But even before we do, I want to take us to, uh, to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, and I want to read for us verses 23 and 24, because in those verses, it also shows us that the wisdom of God, so we're talking about seeing with the mind of Christ, we're, we're talking about spiritual insight, we're talking about spiritual wisdom, the wisdom of God is displayed to us and for us in Jesus Christ. So I want to lay that as a foundation, even as we're talking about this today. Let me read for us from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 23 and 24. There it says this, But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God, and the wisdom of God. Do you ever go to a drive-in movie? Do you ever have the privilege to do that? That's becoming less and less common, although now I'm starting to wonder if it's going to make a resurgence, because now everybody's like, you know what we shouldn't have done away with? Drive-in movies, because right now it seems like we need them, or at least we want them, you know, and I see all these different concerts that are being held at drive-in movies and things like that. I loved drive-in movies, and when I was a kid, my family would go there from time to time, and I still remember when I was about 12 years old, my grandparents took my sisters and me, two younger sisters, they took us to the drive-in theater up in northeast Pennsylvania, it was um, in Larksville, Pennsylvania, and they took us to see the movie Big. 
I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Big. It's a Tom Hanks movie that came out at the time. But in that movie, the character that Tom Hanks plays, he, he actually gets a job at a toy company. And during a business meeting, somebody tries to pitch an idea for a new toy. And it's a robot that sometimes turns into a building. So you remember when Transformers and GoBots and all that stuff was really, really popular back in the 80s? Well, this was kind of in that heyday. And so the premise in the movie, at least for that scene, was that this person was pitching an idea of a robot that turns into a building. And Tom Hanks' character is sitting there in the meeting, and he's looking at this, and he's got, you know, the mind of a child, right? It's kind of the idea of the movie. And he looks at this, and he just looks at the guy presenting this, and he goes, I don't get it. And he's like, what do you mean? What, what don't you get? It's a robot that turns into a building. He's like, yeah, I don't get it. Why, why would you turn the robot into something that just sits there? Why don't you turn the robot into like a giant bug or a car or something that the kid could actually do something with, not just, all right, it's a building. Guess you'll just stare at a building now. How fun. Look at that building, right? It's like, what kid plays with a building? And they're like, oh, good point, you know, good point. But he's, his big comment there that annoyed everybody in the meeting was, I don't get it. And I always found that scene really funny. Well, when you look at the scripture that I just read, it tells us about the message of the gospel being preached. And, and when the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ is presented to an unbelieving world, I often wonder if they're also saying, I don't get it. Like, I don't get it. I don't, under- I don't understand what you're talking about here. And if that is what they're saying, I think they're probably being honest because when Paul talks about these things here, he, he says, you know, when, when our, our crucified Savior is presented to the world, regardless of their background, whether their background is Jewish or Gentile, it's going to be a stumbling block to Jews and it's going to sound like foolishness to Gentiles. There might be some confusion. In fact, there usually is. And here, you know, when you break down what he's talking about here, consider the backgrounds of these groups that he's talking about. He's talking about all humanity, really, saying Jews and Gentiles, regardless of background. Well, the Jews had been waiting for centuries for the appearance of the Messiah. And they struggled to wrap their minds around the idea of him coming only to be crucified. They thought that doesn't, that's not lining up with what we were expecting. That's not lining up with what we were thinking. And then Gentiles who come from all kinds of spiritual beliefs, Paul was essentially indicating that they would would struggle to see how a suffering Savior who was put to death can accomplish anything meaningful in our lives at present. But those of us who have come to faith in Jesus Christ have had our eyes spiritually opened to the bigger picture that is sometimes treated as a stumbling block to some or foolishness by others. Because in Christ, what do we see? We see the fulfillment of the Scriptures. In Christ, we see the atonement for our sin. In Christ, we see not only His vicarious death, but also the power of His resurrection. In bodily form, through His words and through His actions, Christ demonstrated both the wisdom and the power of God because He is the source of true wisdom and true power. And we also come to understand, and this is one of the most amazing things about following Christ, we come to understand, just as the Scriptures proclaim, that we will never experience true wisdom or lasting power outside of a deep, personal, relational connection to Jesus Christ. Now again, Paul's saying to some that that concept is a stumbling block. To others, that sounds like foolishness. But to those of us who have had our spiritual eyes open, we recognize that that's absolutely the truth. Well, Paul went on to say a little bit more about these sort of things 
when he got into 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 7. And when you look at verse 7 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2, he starts talking about the fact that God's plan, which was secret, has been made clear to you. Let me read that verse for us once again. It says this, But we impart a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which God decreed before the ages for our glory. The older I get, the more I value having a plan. Anyone here a planner? (laughs) Not half of the congregation. So only like a third of those that are with us today are planners. So most of you just wing it. You're just going through life winging it. You're like, should I get up today? I don't know. We'll see how it goes, you know. Um, (laughs) I'm a planner. And so I like putting things on my calendar. I like putting things on my schedule. I like knowing what I'm doing. I even, and I've said this to you before, but I even like putting things on my schedule purposely so that I have something to look forward to coming up. And I do this every now and then. And I found, I became friends with somebody recently who admitted that to me. He's like, you know what I do? He says, I like to put things on my schedule, on my calendar, so I have something to look forward to. I was like, I've been doing that same thing. Everybody thinks I'm weird that I do that, but I like doing it. But I'm a planner. And I can see that trait in my children as well. They've started to become planners also. You know, they're thinking things out. They're looking ahead. They're, they're putting things on their calendar. But I kind of flipped the script on our household a few months ago. When things started opening up again, I was feeling a little bit cooped up. And so I announced to our household, I said this, now tell me, tell me what you would do if I made this offer to you, all right? You don't have to literally tell me, but just kind of nod and smile, I guess. But I said, tomorrow I'm taking a drive in my car. Anyone who wants to come with me is welcome to come with me. If you go, you will have fun. But don't ask me any other questions about it because I'm not revealing any other details. I posed this question to a group of adults earlier this week, and I wanted to see what they would say, and they were like, yeah, we'd go, we'd go. What do you think happened in my home? Yeah, you're right. Actually, like, almost nobody came except for one very important somebody. One important somebody came. My wife said, I'll go. She's like, I'll go. And my kids all looked at me, and they're like, maybe if you give us more details, Dad, we'll consider it, but... But that general statement is not going to convince us to go. And I'm thinking, what have I done to torture them? Like, what, like what about their life has been so bad that they would be afraid to get in that car and have a good day of fun? So I purposely did this to drive everybody nuts. But while Andrea and I, and I were out having fun, having a good time, we made sure to take a whole bunch of pictures of ourselves. We're like, look at us having fun. You're not with us, you know. <laughs> to me, it was funny. But again, because I did not enunciate all the details of the plan ahead of time, only one person joined me, my wife. And again, we had a lovely day together. I think it was meant to be, you know, it was meant to be. And the restaurant bill was way, way cheaper, you know. (laughs) But when you look at Scripture, one of the things that God reveals to us about Himself is that He is a planner. He's a planner. He's orderly, and He's very intentional. And Scripture tells us in the verse that we just read that from eternity past, He planned our redemption, our rescue, through His Son, Jesus Christ. But He's been revealing His plan to humanity gradually, over time, in a process, a piece at a time. Now, certain aspects of His plan remained hidden and mysterious for ages 
For long periods of time, he'd just give a little bit of information, but, but not all the details about the plan ahead of time. And likewise, there's certain details about what he still has in store for us that he's only revealed to us in part at present. Sometimes it's kind of like looking at a foggy mirror. You know, you're looking at the mirror, you could kind of see, but you don't see all the details just yet. But what he's doing, and this can be a stretch for me and it can be a stretch for you, again, particularly if you're a planner, which apparently two-thirds of you are not, so maybe this won't be a stretch for you. But in the meantime, what he's doing is he's offering us the chance to take a ride with him. You know, he's giving us the opportunity to get in the car because we are confident that he's got something good in store by faith. He's saying, just trust me. Just get in the car. Trust me. Now, amazingly, and I I do find this amazing, you and I living in the era that we live in right now, we have a more developed understanding of this plan than did the angels and the prophets who lived prior to Christ's incarnation. So those who lived prior to Christ coming to this earth and taking on flesh, they, we have a more developed understanding of, of many aspects of God's plan than the angels and the prophets who lived prior to Christ's incarnation. Scripture tells us they longed to look into the things that have been more fully revealed to you and me. So as recipients of this divine revelation, the, the fact that you and I, just by virtue of when we live, that we have access to this as recipients of this, Paul tells us in this passage that we also have a privilege that comes with this. And the privilege was something that he was modeling to the church at Corinth as he was saying these things, but it's a privilege we can model as well. And the privilege that we're given is that we can, that we can impart this secret or hidden wisdom of God to others, that we could speak it, that we could share it, that we could model it. Now, it's only going to be understood by those who have eyes that have, opened by, that have been opened by the Lord. It's only going to be understood by those who can see it from the spiritually discerning viewpoint. To others, it may be a stumbling block, and to others, it may sound like foolishness. But just the same, we're given the privilege to be the ones that God directly speaks through. His plan is that humanity be reached through humanity that He rescues. It's fascinating that he incorporates us in his plan. In fact, he tells us people aren't going to hear unless somebody speaks up or somebody preaches or somebody proclaims. And so he imparts his wisdom through you and through me. And basically what we're doing is we're revealing what we've been given the privilege to understand. And we share it with others, with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors, with our coworkers. Through our social media, we have so many opportunities to do that. It's a gift that the Lord's given to us. But again, this is all the fruit of being recipients of the mind of Christ because you begin to see and understand things that you didn't understand before. Now, Scripture tells us something else about this that I want to point out to us, and that's this. Through knowing Christ, your eyes are truly opened. Through knowing Christ, your your eyes are truly open. I want to read a portion of Scripture for us from Acts chapter 9. I'm just going to read a small segment of it. But the Apostle Paul wrote most of the books of the New Testament. And and his story is very interesting. Maybe you're already familiar with it, or maybe you've never heard it. But Paul basically was somebody who who persecuted Christians until he became one, and then became uh, just extremely dedicated to proclaiming the gospel wherever the Lord gave him an open door to do so. 
And in Acts chapter 9, it tells us about the process that Paul went through when he went from being spiritually unable to see these things to becoming spiritually sighted, able to see these things spiritually. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 9, verse 17. I do have it on the screen behind me here if you're able to follow along with that as well. But in Acts chapter 9, verse 17, it says this. So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, so Paul's name before he took the name Paul was Saul. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes. I've always wondered what that looked like. So in my mind, I'm picturing fish scales. I'm thinking that that's probably what it's referencing. You know, maybe something like fish scales flaking off of his eyes. It's always interesting to see how they try and portray this in movies and and documentaries about the Apostle Paul's life. Usually they just show you like a pile of something on the floor after he goes like this, you know. But I wonder, it's like something like scales. What was that? That, I guess it kind of looked like, I'm, I'm picturing something like fish scales. But it says, and immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. So it's a beautiful portion of Scripture showing Paul going from unbelief in Christ to belief in Christ, from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. A few months ago, my father was complaining to me about something. Now, I talk to my dad most days of the week, and, um, you know, if we don't have anything to do, it's fun to just complain, right? So, you know, he's good at that. He's passed that trait down to me, you know. It's a genetic trait, I think. And a few months ago, my father was complaining about his television to me. And uh, it's a high-end TV. He didn't buy it too terribly long ago. It's supposed to last a long time. And he said, you know, the color's starting to fade. And it was really annoying him. He said, the color's starting to fade. This was an expensive TV. The color's fading on it. And the image wasn't as crisp anymore. And he's like, come on, I bought like the high-end TV. I thought this was going to be a good purchase. I was hoping it was going to last me a long time. He was extremely frustrated, and he was already shopping for a new TV, thinking he was going to get it. But in the meantime, he also went to the doctor to get the cataracts removed from his eyes. You see where this is going, right? And when his eyes healed, he quickly realized his TV was perfectly fine. You know, Now, I've been telling my dad for years he had problems. And then Finally, he, uh, his doctor confirmed that to him. By the way, my dad watches the live stream and sometimes listens to the recording. So, Father, it's great to see you this morning. Glad you're on the live stream. By the way, I've also noticed that when my dad comes and visits in person, um, he usually expects me to bust on him at some point. And I, at one point, I thought, maybe I'm taking that too far. We joke like that in private. Maybe I shouldn't do that in public. I've never seen my dad so disappointed uh, when he walked out of a worship service the one Sunday, he's like, oh, you never even busted on me at all during your message today. I was like, so you look forward to that? He's like, well, it's our thing. I thought like, that's just like what we did. I was like, mental note, every time you visit, I will try and come up with some zinger to, to hit you with. So I'll zing him from the live stream today. But if he comes in person, I got to think of something better. I'm, I'm interested in new material if you've got anything for me. But the, the idea was in that moment, his ability to see was the problem. His ability to see was the issue that he was dealing with. He couldn't see clearly. And when you look at what happened here in Acts chapter 9 related to the Apostle Paul, he experienced a significant sight problem during his era as well. And if you're again, if you're familiar with the story of his life, you know he was very zealous for the religious traditions he was raised in. He was well-trained in Jewish theology. He was an expert in it. 
and he became part of a select group called the Pharisees. It was a very select group. They had to memorize significant portions of Scripture just to be part of this group. And for a time, Scripture tells us that he hated Christians, and he persecuted Christians because he actually believed that their worship of Jesus Christ was blasphemous. And so Jesus fell into that category of being a stumbling block for the Apostle Paul up until his eyes were opened. And God's God's Word tells us that Jesus appeared to Paul, and Paul was impacted both physically and spiritually through that encounter. And for a time, we're told that he became physically blind after seeing Jesus. But then his physical sight was restored, and he was granted true spiritual sight once he came to faith in Christ. And let me say this in a personal and applicational way for us. If you know Jesus in a personal way, have you ever taken the time to notice how the Lord's been opening your eyes to things that you would never have naturally seen? Have you ever caught on to the things that the Lord's been showing you and revealing to you that you know deep down that if you did not know Jesus Christ personally, you never would have noticed it, you never would have perceived it, uh, and you never would have understood it? But Jesus shows us things. He opens up our eyes to see things we would not have naturally seen. And this is what happens. When you come to know Jesus Christ and He opens your eyes, sometimes it'll start by you seeing yourself differently. Sometimes that's kind of where it'll begin. You'll start to see yourself differently. You'll see yourself as as someone who was under condemnation, who's now been set free and forgiven from their sin. I think you'll also start to see issues and and, and things that we deal with in day-to-day life differently. I think you'll see marriage differently. I think you'll see parenting differently. I think you'll see cultural events differently. Morality, grace, justice, and the needs of humanity. I think your perspective on all of those things is going to change. And the world will not understand your new perspective. But other mature believers who've also had their eyes open to Christ and by Christ will understand completely. They'll be right in sync with what you're thinking because their eyes have been opened up as well. And so Scripture shows us that Christ delights to open our eyes as we come to faith in Him. But one other thing I want to point out to us today, and this is where we'll finish this morning. I don't know if you've ever taken the time to read through the Bible. I don't know if if that's ever intimidated you because it seems like too large of a book. I don't know if the the subject matter just seems like it would be too complicated for you to understand, but I want you to understand this. Through the power of the Holy Spirit who lives within you the moment you come to faith in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit will enable you to understand the whole counsel of God's Word. He really will help you to understand it. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 20, starting with verse 26. There it says this. And this is, by the way, Paul speaking to the Ephesian elders. And he says this to them, this is after he comes to faith in Christ, but he says, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. I love that portion of Scripture. It actually motivates me as a pastor. It's one of those portions of Scripture that influences how I preach and what I choose to speak about. Now, this past week I had the opportunity to spend my week, uh, well, part of the week, about three and a half days, with a group of other pastors. And one of the things that I've been involved in for some time, I had to go through it in order to get ordained as a pastor, but now that I've been in ministry for uh, 
Well, this is year 22 full-time. Um, what ends up happening is once you become a seasoned pastor, they ask you to teach for these training events that they have for brand new up-and-coming pastors. And so this past week, I spent about three days teaching up-and-coming pastors, new pastors. And we were talking about all sorts of things. And it's very interesting in a context like that because I find it very encouraging to try and impart certain things that the Lord's been teaching me through years of experience to these new enthusiastic men. And, uh, and they were there, they're eager to learn, but one of the guys had an interesting question. And, uh, and he said this, one of the new pastors had a, 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 this question for me. He said, how do I handle the fact that a very influential man in my congregation doesn't like when I preach through books of the Bible? He said, he prefers that I preach on selected topics that fit with current events, but doesn't really like when I go through books of the Bible uh, in their entirety. Now, first of all, there's nothing wrong with, with referencing, you know, current events, things like that. But for the most part, you know that my pattern of preaching is typically I pick a book of the Bible and we go from start to finish. And then because that's usually a long stretch, I usually pick something topical to speak about in between preaching about books of the Bible. So right now we're talking about the mind of Christ, but we just finished a lengthy series through First and Second Thessalonians. So I typically, most of the year, preach through books of the Bible and then space it out a tiny bit with maybe like a four or five week series going through a specific topic. But he was troubled because every time he wanted to preach through a book of the Bible from start to finish, which typically I think is the best way to preach, if I'm honest with you, he was getting pushback from somebody in his church who is a person of influence who really didn't like that. And I'll have to tell you, every pastor deals with this same dilemma. We all deal with that same dilemma. We're called, like Paul said in Acts chapter 20, we're called to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. But what happens is this, especially living in this information age that we live in right now, and I want to say this not as like a hand slap to anybody, so please don't interpret it this way, but just as, a, as something I just want you to think about a little bit extra particularly in the era that we live in when information comes at us constantly. And sometimes I feel like I almost need like a, a, a holiday from it, you know, like a little bit of a break. But we're called to preach the whole counsel of God's Word. But when we as Christians become glued to the mind-warping like power of media that, const- that just constantly is bombarding us, What ends up happening is sometimes we get to the spot where we actually prefer that to the counsel of God's Word and would prefer that the pulpit basically become a podium of current events instead of the sacred desk from which the Scriptures are preached. And there's a big dilemma with those those sorts of things. And I have to admit to you, and thankfully this doesn't happen a whole ton to me, but it does happen from time to time. But from time to time, I receive pushback around this particular area because I have to admit to you that I actively resist trying to let my preaching calendar be set by whatever the news cycle is telling me I need to be talking about today or talking about tomorrow. I'm not really comfortable with the news cycle determining what I proclaim from the pulpit, even though I know that there are some people that would probably prefer that that be the approach that I take. And I was thinking about this, I was talking about this um, with someone in our church recently, and I said, you know what, there's going to be a day when my ministry will end. You know, either I'll retire or I'll pass away, um, 
I know there's going to be a day when it, when it comes to a finale, right? And I thought to myself, you know, at the end of it, there's going to be all sorts of things that our church family will be able to say, yeah, John didn't do that or didn't do that. But one thing that I'm grateful that our church family will never be able to say, they're never going to be able to say that John did not preach the whole counsel of God's word. Because I even picked the awkward parts to speak about. You know, and some of you are affirming, yeah, you're like, yeah, sometimes it does get pretty awkward. I, I, I try not to skip anything as we're going through it because I look at what Paul says here. He says, listen, I don't want to be guilty of the, of, of somebody's, um, spiritual defeat. I want to preach the whole counsel of scripture, the whole counsel of God, even the awkward parts. That's what Paul was trying to do there. And I think that that's what pastors in this era are called to do, even if there might be subtle pressure from time to time to maybe just stick to current events and, and maybe just speak into current events. And sometimes there is a, a moment that's appropriate for that. But sometimes people want that a little too much. And I think that it's sufficient for us as a church family to gather together as brothers and sisters in Christ and look at the Word of God and rejoice regardless of circumstances. I really do believe that the Word of God is sufficient and it does impact the way I choose to preach, and what I choose to preach. And as our eyes are open to faith in Jesus Christ, I believe, and Scripture tells us that this is the case, that the Holy Spirit will enable us to understand the whole counsel of God's Word, which applies to whatever circumstance you're going to find yourself in. I had a professor in college who asked us once to define wisdom. He said, define wisdom. And we all had, and I don't know how, it's, actually, let me pause for a second. And you don't have to say it out loud, but I just want you right now in your own head to define wisdom. If your children came up to you and said, Mom, Dad, what's wisdom? Or if a friend came up to you and said, what's wisdom? Think about how you would answer them. What is wisdom? You didn't know there was going to be a quiz, right? So this professor asked us to define wisdom. And we gave our thoughts and we gave our opinions. And he said, let me tell you what wisdom is. Wisdom is when you understand the Word of God and you understand how to apply it to all circumstances of life. When you understand the Word of God and begin applying it to all circumstances of life, that's wisdom. And I thought, that's a good definition. And it's something that I'm trying to internalize and actually live out. And the Holy Spirit, He enables us to understand the whole counsel of God's Word so that we could walk with eyes wide open and live with wisdom in the midst of this world. Let me say this. Tell me if this sounds familiar. I'm going I'm to read to you a quote. Tell me if this quote sounds familiar. When I was a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant I could hardly stand to have the old man around. But when I got to be 21, I was astonished at how much he had learned in seven years. You ever hear that quote? That quote's usually attributed to Mark Twain, although I did some research on that this week and discovered it probably wasn't Twain that initially said it. I thought that was kind of interesting. I always thought Mark Twain said that. So I don't even know who to like really attribute it to, but I think it's a funny quote. And we laugh at the thought that's being conveyed there, this idea that as a boy of 14, my father was so ignorant, I could hardly stand to have him around. When I became 21, I was just amazed at how much he learned in seven years. My father, again, hello, father, who's on the live stream. I apologize for everything, all right? But he had, a, he had a special moment, he told me, when he was in the Navy. He grew up as a teenager, and he, he said, you know, I thought he, he said that he thought my grandfather, his father, was so dumb. 
said, I just thought he was so, so dumb. And then I joined the Navy. And he said, I remember at one point sitting or standing on the ship and just looking out over open water in the middle of the ocean, far away from home. And all of a sudden, I had a day where I realized my father knew what he was talking about. I didn't know what I thought I knew. And now that I'm out here without him, not living under the protective cloud or protective bubble that he had me living under, outside of his household, fending for myself, I start to realize everything he said was true. Have you had that experience in your life? Have you had that moment where you start to realize, as you grow in wisdom, and you start to realize that you can now see things that you couldn't see before? You couldn't see it then, but now all of a sudden you see it, and you're like, why couldn't I see it then? It takes time for us to see things that were once hidden from our understanding. But take heart. Through Christ, we can now see things that we were unable to see before. The work that God's doing in your life and my life as we trust in His Son, Jesus Christ, is that He's giving us new sight. He's giving us the mind of Christ, which impacts our spiritual sight. We're given new sight. We're given new understanding. And we're given the privilege, even in a moment like this, when we have the privilege to just carve out time and sit under the counsel of His Word, to rejoice in His willingness to open our eyes and to generously share His wisdom with us so that we could be generous in sharing His wisdom with others. Let's pray. Lord, thank You so much for the privilege that it is to be able to look at a portion of Scripture like this together today. Lord, we're just so grateful for it. We're grateful for the things that You teach us. We're grateful for the things that You help us to understand. We're grateful for the process that You bring us through so that, so that we could know You more deeply, so that we could model our faith for others so that we could actually live with wisdom instead of adopting a worldly perspective into our lives. Lord, we know that when we trust in You, when we walk in reverence toward You, we experience more wisdom. And when we fight You, we don't. So Lord, help us to stop running from You. Help us to stop fighting You. Help us to rejoice in the fact that through Your Son, You have given us His mind. We can see things from the divine perspective as we trust in Your Son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we pray that You would just walk with us, and we know that You do walk with us throughout the course of our lives, but that You would impart Your wisdom to us, and that as You do so, that we would be open to receiving it. Thank You again, Lord, for the counsel You've given to us from Your Word today. And through Your power and through Your strength, we pray that You'd help us to live it out. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.